0: Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by... Kerry Clack, columnist, editorial board.
1: Nancy Prayer-Johnson, associate editorial board editor.
0: Metro editor, Greg Jefferson. This is our election recap uh, edition of Pudor Politics. We're, we're fighting off sleep deprivation. <laughs> uh, I know at least some of us
2: are. And then, and we're losing. We're, we're losing, yeah, losing. Yeah. <laughs> we're like Lauren
3: Boebert <laughs> in there just kind of trying sleep to sleep, pull sleep it, it off. Sleep is the Republican Party in Texas and we're the Democratic Party um,
0: So much to talk about. But before we get into it, uh, I, I wanted to begin with what is uh, probably the... The biggest story to hit uh, San Antonio City Council in a long time: um, an investigation into Northeast Side Councilman Clayton Perry, uh, an incident involving him, um, an apparent hit and run. And Greg, you've written about it. You've been—I know—you've been editing.
2: Uh, yeah, stuff kinda, on it. yeah, kind of yeah, I jumped into the reporting on it. Uh, yes, early yesterday morning. Uh, so yeah, what happened was uh, just after nine o'clock on Sunday night. At the intersection of uh, Redland and uh, Jones Maltzberger roads, a black Jeep took a really wide turn and hit a Honda Civic head on, doing major damage. Uh, The Jeep, the driver of the Jeep, then drove away, and we know that as a hit and run. Uh, But somebody uh, on the scene followed the Jeep, got the address. Returned to the scene, gave it to the driver, who then handed it on, on to the cops. Turns out the house uh, is Clayton Perry's house. The jeep was in the driveway with the engine still on, door, <laughs> door open. The cop knocks at the door, no answer. Uh, he's leaving, and here's a, a moaning, uh, some moaning in the backyard. He goes to the backyard. He finds Clayton Perry with a laceration on his head, and he's kind of very unsteady on his on his feet smelling of alcohol. Uh and so we have a hit and run investigation. It it doesn't appear that the police are going to be pursuing DUI charges cuz uh, just because you were no right, a sobriety came, test, right? Right, yeah. yeah. There was no sobriety test and it's it's you know you're you're going to have to link uh, his having been drinking at the time of the accident to where they found him in the backyard. So um, this broke uh, Monday night. We confirmed the story. It was on Ksat. We confirmed the story early Tuesday morning. And by noon, uh, Mayor Ron Nirenberg was calling for um, Perry to step down if the reports uh, are shown to be accurate. So we're kind of in this holding pattern now, uh, waiting on SAPD. Some word from either either the department or from City Manager Eric Walsh. I should say, by the way. Th- so Clayton Perry represents District Ten on the northeast side. He's known as the only real. He's my councilman, actually. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. yeah. He's the only kind of fiscal conservative on council. But he's very, you know, he's not he's not dogmatic. He's very he's a very friendly guy. You know, his his um, you know, you know. Know, his kind of public persona is a little goofy He's L- kind likes of hats. Yeah, he likes, likes hats yeah likes hats he's got this <laughs> weird thing for hats and sunglasses uh f- friendly kind of open uh he's very approach you know he's well liked on council he's a retired air force uh, right civil yeah engineer, exactly right? he was a civil engineer in the he's, air force he was in the, in the ie of, band i think in the 70s I remember. yeah that's that. right yeah he was yeah he was uh, the core cadets Uh, So yeah, we're we're waiting to see what happens. The the rumors were just running wild through city. He hasn't said anything at all. No, he's not. He's not. He never. He didn't uh, return uh, our phone call. And you know, so in with him, kind of hunkered down. uh, We're waiting to see if he's going to show up at uh, the city council B session today. Just you know, is going to be at the meeting tomorrow, which will be interesting because it's the censure vote on district one council member, Mario Bravo, (laughs) who is of course uh, accused of verbally assaulting uh, district seven councilwoman Anna Sandoval with whom he had a romantic relationship. Uh, That would be super awkward, I think for, for Clayton Perry. Uh, And we're hearing it's there's, there's a chance he doesn't show up either Mm -hmm. at the meeting today or at session tomorrow. Now the question is, um, you know when when Nuremberg called on his resignation. If if all of this is kind of borne out, uh, does he know something? Like is he? You know, has, he, mm-hmm. has there been any kind of communication between him and and Perry? Mm-hmm. I, I I've heard that's unlikely, but it could be. Uh, and is a resignation in the works? We heard yesterday that you know oh he's definitely going to resign today. Didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, we also heard that you know the council was going to try to add add him to the censure list but that would be, that didn't really make sense because there's no investigation yet. Like they haven't completed it. It's just premature. Right. Right.
0: Um, It's, and you, as you said, the, the question of whether he was intoxicated or not is not really a legal issue at this point, but it's in the, the, the fact that he smelled of alcohol was, is in the report and it's, it's a political issue. Absolutely. And I think Uh that, um, you know, we, he's given the, he should be given the presumption of innocence certainly, but that, that report, it does not look good. And it, it's,
2: it looks pretty terrible. It looks pretty terrible. And I just
0: don't see how you you can, you, you can continue. And uh,
2: you know, one question uh, is, was he, you know, was this case handled as it would have been for anybody? Like, were there any differences in the police's approach? Uh, to Clayton Perry as there would have been for just, you know, kind of the average citizen. We're we're still kind of sussing that out right
0: now. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with the, the person who observed this yes. and said, oh, I'm going to follow that person. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Not, That's not, what that, I keep thinking. The average about, person yeah. wouldn't yeah. necessarily do that. And I thought that okay, right. was pretty remarkable.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it must have been some scene to watch that and for that person to feel you know, the obligation to go and follow him and yeah. And And to do that. Because they don't know who's in that Jeep. They don't know what the what, you know, if they're armed, especially in
2: Texas.
1: (laughs) I they don't know what's gonna happen, but they did that and they, you know, went into investigative mode. Mm -hmm. And uh I think that's a really big deal. But that's what I think of first with that. And I mean obviously it's an ethical, um, it's bad optics, it's you know it's a big problem for him yeah. and it's it's unfortunate he, he could have
3: you know he could have killed someone he could have killed himself but he could have yeah. killed Absolutely. somebody yeah. and and what was the reason again Greg for the officer not doing a breathalyzer or that's unclear. I mean, well, I mean, for
2: one thing, um, it, it, it's, it's unclear. Let me just say that. Well, but he denied can, that he was the driver. Extra, what yeah, they said, exactly. Right? Yeah. So the the officer questioned him at the scene in his backyard and he said uh, he was he either refused to answer or when he did answer, he gave vague answers. But he did say, I wasn't driving tonight. Uh, So, you know, I think the officer and like I said, it's the the reason the real reason is is we don't know yet. Uh, It's unclear. But you can look at the situation and say, okay, well, you have this guy who's in the backyard. He is injured. Uh, He's been drinking, but you can't you can't directly connect him. You didn't witness him driving. Um, And it's, you know, is that is that a good reason to not give it? Field sobriety test. I don't know. It seems I legally, that seems question questionable to me. Yeah, do
1: I don't think I. Um, I don't know exactly, but I, I don't think legally they can give a field sobriety oh, test it? unless okay. they they see mm. that he was actually driving. They have to witness it. Okay. because um, yeah. he could easily say, you know, my wife was driving, or my friend yeah. was driving, or you yeah. know, he could yeah, easily yeah. say that. Yeah. His mm-hmm. lawyers would say that. <laughs> right. You can't prove it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think that's what kind of saved him. There was just that little bit of time. If that is the case, if mm-hmm. he was the one driving, yeah. um, I mean, it looks that way, right? He was laying, <laughs> you know, he was injured. He was on, but he could also have been injured in the accident. Even if someone else was driving and lay out there, you just, mm-hmm. you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A
0: lot of unanswered an questions. questions. Yeah. But, um, I want to shift to the the election, and I, I'm going to kind of break it up into three parts because I think there was really there were really three stories. If you're in San Antonio, there were really three stories to last night's election um, in Bear County. Uh, Democrats dominated. Uh, if we look statewide at Texas, it was a really strong night for Republicans, and they maintained the control that they've had basically for nearly th- three decades now. And nationally, I think it was a night of, of disappointment, a kind of a squandered opportunity for Republicans who, if you look at history and the poll numbers for Joe Biden and the inflation rate, you would have thought this is going to be a huge wave election for Republicans. And the, it'll be a while before we have the final numbers when it comes to Congress, but um, clearly that did not happen. Um, so we'll start with, with Bayer County. Um, I think the big news was that uh, Democratic candidate Peter Sakai Handily defeated Republican nominee Trish DeBerry, um, and by a somewhat uh, smaller margin, but still very comfortably, you saw Joe Gonzalez beat Mark LaHood for district attorney. Um, Kerry. I mean, when you look at those races, I mean, they these. I'll preface this by saying I was at a Republican precinct chair event about six months ago when Greg Breckhaus, who was managing Trish DeBerry's campaign, said, "This is going to be a historic election in Bear County. We're going to." Take the county judge race. Mark LaHood's going to win. Um, I've been talking to the governor's people. They think they can carry Bear County. Greg Abbott had a great night, uh, but did not come anywhere close to taking Bear County. So, a lot of lot of uh, hope on the Republican side that did, in Bear County that didn't pan out.
3: And another prediction that didn't work out for Mayor Brockhouse. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, we had we we had a podcast last night with uh with, with Judge Wolf and, and later Joaquin and, right. and the judge was saying that he doesn't see <laughs> he doesn't see when Bear County ever goes Republican again because well, the party has moved and and it's predictable because we always know that you, regardless of what's going to happen on the national scene, we are going to have these waves, and it was interesting and in now. Editorial candidate endorsement meetings with the judicial candidates, uh, even you know amongst the Republican candidates, some incumbents, there was this sense of what was going to happen, and and that's where it's that's where it's 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 sadder because you you, you we lose a lot of great uh, judges every two or four years because of the party they belong to, but uh, other than that, I mean it, that's. Not that surprising what happened last night in Bear County. Yeah, the judges' race were
2: they they were really interesting because of how common the the margins were. Just, it's, it's almost, almost like so, it's it yeah, exactly. still so that straight ticket. Right, yeah, yeah which exactly. Yeah. I was gonna say so straight ticket bo- voting is no longer allowed, but voters are straight ticket <laughs> yeah, ballot. That's right. I, think. I mean, yeah. you could see a lot of you know, you could see a lot of defensiveness among Democratic voters. I mean, they just kind of, they went down the list. They don't know. Most people do not know who their judges are. Right. right. And so they're just voting Democrat, Democrat, Democrat. And you see like 56, 57, 58% you know, victories. Hmm. And it, it was very, you know, it was very consistent throughout the bench. It was. But yeah, like uh, the Democrats cleaned house house. house judicially i mean yeah
0: and i uh, i had a conversation with a democratic political operative early this year um when the 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 threat of a, a red wave i think was was stronger and that person said, yeah, "I'm, you know, because in 2014, as as, as blue as as Bear County has been for a while, in 2014 you had a Repu- Republican wave election, and Democrats were swept out of the courthouse, um, and there was a fear that that among Democrats that that was going to happen again, and you know the opposite happened. Um, the the lone like Republican successes in Bear County were in pockets of Bear County. You had Grant Moody winning. It was a pretty competitive race over Susan Corbell for um, for Precinct Three County Commissioner." And John Lujan held on to, I've called, I've called him the, the king of special elections uh, because he's, he's been twice elected uh, to, to Texas House in special elections, but never served he during a legislative session. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of those kind of oddities in, in Texas politics, but now he's going to yeah. because he, he won a close race over Frank Ramirez. So there, there are pockets of, of success, but countywide uh, Democrats control things. Statewide, completely different story. Um, you know, Democrats had hope that that uh, Beto O'Rourke would, uh, you know, could could pull off an upset in the governor's race, or that Mike Collier might uh, might do that uh, over Dan Patrick for lieutenant governor. And what we saw was uh, Republican statewide winning, I think, by double digits on almost in almost every race, if not every race. Um, you know, Greg, when you look at uh, at at Greg Abbott, I mean, it was. Uh, you know, he had some, he had some tough, uh, questions to deal with. I mean, there were a lot yeah, of did. people still he upset did. about the grid uh-huh. failure in 2021, his failure to act right, or right. refusal to act on gun safety after Uvalde, uh-huh. but, but he he's,
2: really well. uh, Greg Abbott has for a long time now, and certainly in this election cycle, shown himself to be a master of changing the subject, right? I mean, like, it True. Became, Fair, yeah. yep. you know, it became all about border enforcement. Mm-hmm. Border security, busing—you know—immigrants who cross into Texas, to New York, and Chicago, and so yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, part of it. Part of it was that, and part of it is you know, this is still. When you get out into the hinterlands, I mean, it is still an extremely conservative state. It is a Republican stronghold, and it will be for, for years to come.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I always tell myself that this has always been a conservative state. It was a conservative democratic state for, for ages. And then when we had a political realignment uh, during the, the the Reagan revolution, it became a conservative Republican state. And we are seeing demographic changes. We we're seeing population growth, but it's still a conservative state and that's not going it to change is, yeah. anytime and, soon.
2: I mean, you know, and also another thing that's not going to change anytime soon is kind of the divide between urban counties and, and rural counties. Like it's, it's only going to sharpen. And I think you saw that continuing last night, uh, you know, Harris, Dallas, you know, El Paso, Bear County. I mean, they, they broke for Abbott in big ways.
0: And Nancy, we know, I mean, that Beto, if if his, his failures in rural uh Counties. I mean, it wasn't for lack of trying. We know he went into these, these places and was, was willing to talk to people who he knew would be, uh, who were uh, unlikely to vote for him. I mean, it, what, what, if anything, do you think Democrats could do in those, in those counties?
1: I think changing the, I think there was just some missed opportunities and, you know, actually talking last night on the, on the live stream with Judge Wolf, that opened my eyes too, to the issue of he's not, it's just not resonating with rural voters. Um, so yes, he talked with them, they listened. I mean, what I saw in the rallies, the ones that I was able to watch, you know, the the streams of and things was that the people were listening for the most part, but it just wasn't resonating with them to a deep enough level that they would vote for him. So it didn't, it just didn't work out that way, obviously. Right. Um, but, you know, what Judge Wolf said last night is that it just, it's not resonating with them because he's not talking to the issues that are important to them. So the Democrats need to talk more about inflation, about crime, about immigration right and not only talk about it but make changes that rural you know rural residents of texas will feel like they they are being taken care of that their issues that their policies that they want to get seen are actually being done and um, i mean that would take a democratic party to totally go out of the box right and totally yeah. try to come more to the center because it's too far and i think that's what texas said in a, in a you know you know a big way last night. Um, and, you know, that these are the issues that are most important. It wasn't abortion. It wasn't gun legislation safety, you know, last night after our um, live stream. And, you know, we stayed here late last night. Um, and I wrote about the Uvalde uh, reaction um, in a column, right? And so that'll be in Thursday's paper. But, you, you know, people in Uvalde, they were very disappointed. Right. Um the people who are most um, who are loudest on Twitter and, and things like that. And so these are the people who are who lost children in the Uvalde school shooting. They were extremely disappointed. And, you know you see on Twitter today the trending is WTF Texas mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> right. There's a lot of that I mean thing. so that yeah. says a lot right um, yeah. but of course Twitter is a lot is a lot of liberals right um, Democratic leans Democratic and liberal and so you know I think that it just needs to be um, it needs to come more to the center the Democratic Party does need to to it to um, look at these issues, not only talk about them, but, you know, create policies around that as well um, and just come a little more to the center because of not we're just never going to be able to make any kind of change. And it will be we have an editorial for Thursday's paper. It's online now, but it will continue to be status quo elections in Texas. You will continue with um, Republicans and GOP um, leadership because they're not getting, you know, because these voters in a very conservative state are not hearing what they want to hear. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, you know, Beth O'Rourke, um, he, he's lost three elections in four years, one for the U S Senate where he ran for president 2020, uh, 20, and then, uh, and now has lost for governor. And, um, but I think he was u- unique in his ability to energize young voters. Uh, certainly unique in his ability to to fundraise. Um, there, I don't know. There's another Democrat on the on the scene, in Texas who who has some the the, the skill set that he has. Although you know, some would say well, maybe there's a certain certain baggage that he has also that maybe held him back. But I wonder, Kerry. I mean, when you, uh, it 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 really felt to me like uh, last night, Beth O'Rourke was essentially saying. That's it for me as a, now he's going to be politically engaged, but as a candidate, that's probably going to be it for him. I think, I, I'm curious to see what you think. But, um, but if he doesn't run again, who's, who's going to pick up that baton?
3: Yeah. yeah. Someone I know who, who, who knows him and who pretty well, and was talking to him a lot, you know, a year ago, as he was deciding this, one of them was saying that one of the, the, the biggest thing that was keeping him from doing this because he didn't want to be seen as a three-time loser sure, and mess up whatever chances he had for 2024. And, and I understand that. And I also see where it, 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 it's hard to see where he could turn around in 2024 and do this again. Yeah. But he ran as good a campaign as any Democrat could have done. No other Democrat, mm-hmm. no one else in the, in the state, could have rallied people and and given people a sense that maybe this was possible that he could could win. Uh, the the double digits losses on all going just going down it is is stunning. Yeah. And uh, I you know he's fifty years two things. First of all, he's fifty years old. I can see a scenario where I think he's gonna he's gonna be around, not necessarily running for elective office, but. His organization, which was very active during mm. the uh, during the power outage and in voting. I mean, he's going to be a a presence in Texas national politics for the rest of his life. Whether or not he ever runs for public office again, but you can also see a scenario where who knows, maybe when he's 75 years old in Texas, finally turns blue, <laughs> this it's is my time. It's yeah. my time. You can see it. And wait this thing out. <Sci-fi. laughs> but as for who else who is out there right, right now? Yeah. My scenario, and this is—it's a year ago—I had envisioned a, a, a case where if uh, Beto didn't win, yeah, the person who would be best placed to be the Democratic nominee for governor in in twenty twenty since twenty twenty six would be Nina Hidalgo. Yeah, Harris Now she did, she did win re election. It, it, it narrowly, but and
0: that actually was a really big win for Democrats because it was, it was, it was tough, Yeah, I mean, it, it
3: you know, and you know, it, it yeah, and there's some some. Ethical issues, and so that may sully things right now. But at this point, as we're setting the day after this election, who else? Is? I mean, this, you know, it's always this, this Joaquin and Julian. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but beyond that, I don't, and I don't, and I don't see this. I don't see this changing anytime soon because yeah. Yeah. part of the problem is not just. You know, Democrats in their messaging and moving to the middle is the fact that you have the, the, the Republican Party in Texas, which is so far to the right, where there's no room for Joe Strauss and yeah. Alan Lawson. You
1: and, know, in Beto's, um, in Beto's speech last night, he—and I didn't watch it live. I watched it. It was probably 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning when I watched it um, on his Facebook feed. But he didn't sound to me like he was going to stop, like mm. he, this was the end. To me, he actually—his message was one of— um, progress. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he talked about, you know, the people that did vote for him and, um, and just like what a big deal it was. So he really focused on that. And of course, thanked everybody in his campaign and and everyone who supported him. But I just didn't hear, I didn't hear that. I didn't get it now. Granted, it was late and Mm -hmm. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. (laughs) still am. But I, I, I didn't hear that tone from him. I heard more of a, let's keep fighting kind of tone in some way. That's what it led me to believe. Um, I mean, if if you look at it, 3.5 million voters in Texas voted for him and that's a huge deal in Texas. And, you know, I think, um, I think that that says a lot, you know, his, his tone and the fact that 3.5, and I know it wasn't 4.4 million voters like Avid had, but, you know, 3.5 people in Texas did vote for him. I am curious to see the demographics, you know, of it, you know, did the young voters come out? I mm. mean, we saw video feeds on Twitter and we saw, you know, people at UT Austin and San Marcus and we saw all of his rallies yeah. and we saw that, you know, people online were saying that they were voting and these were young people. Um, so that kind of gives me hope no matter what the, the no matter what the results are, uh, it gives me hope that at least young people are understanding the importance of getting out there and voting.
0: One thing that, that occurs to me is that we've seen this in in uh, cycle after cycle where, Democrats are kind of scrambling to have a candidate for governor. Um, you know, they'll be will be in summer of twenty thirteen, maybe even a little later. And there's no really, there's no real solid prospect because it's it's a daunting thing to enter the race. And if Beth Orourke had not run this time, I don't I don't know who they would have had as an option. And one thought I had is that if fellow Democrats who maybe would have the ability to to have to run a strong campaign look at this and think this is someone who raised about $70 million or so. And this is someone who, who, who tirelessly went across the state and took his message to everybody and, and, um, and had a lot of name recognition and got a lot of, you know, uh, enthusiasm and got a lot of media attention and still lost That's to buy what 10, 11, right, 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is this worth me even thinking about? And so I think that yeah. one of the things that I think will, will come out of this is not only that Republicans still, you know, uh, uh cemented their their control of the state but also i think that it's got to be uh uh discouraging to future democrats if in four years you're gonna think do do i want to put
2: myself through that i would have to think that there's there are some democrats in texas who uh although you know mourning the loss of uh beto o'rourke in this race they have to be looking at him and saying look this is a guy who i mean he's he's he connects Mm -hmm. with his supporters in a way most candidates don't. He's great at fundraising and he's willing to go into rural communities and hang out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, was the reception he got great? No, but I mean, you know, this is Democrats have largely ignored these communities for a long time, just as far as, you know, what issues they emphasize. I have to think that there's some Democrats who want him to help, With party building, like to go around the state, identifying, Mm -hmm. you know, candidates for city council or school board races or state reps races, just get it, you know, bring them along, help groom them. Yeah. Although, the grooming i yeah. don't think we yeah. don't yeah, we see right, right. We yeah, right. we yeah, that we can do that molding two years ago that was that yeah. would have been fun. Yeah. molding yeah molding. that's it <laughs> and helping him with fundraising and kind of building
3: up uh at the grassroots yep. uh and he'd be great at that he would be great yeah. at that. and he he was that, you, that unique I mean he's a unique figure i mean historically in, in many ways i mean I right. said before he, yeah, he's yeah. a phenomenon you can you know, phenomenon can be good or bad but it's something you can't you can't explain right. you don't see coming and there's really not anyone you know, other than an Obama who we've seen with this kind of, mm-hmm. who connects with, with people. But uh, he was one that, he's that, that rare candidate who, the reason he ran against, I, I think, really what was his own instincts and maybe long-term interests was because the people wanted him to run. Mm-hmm and that's I mean there was okay. and I and I don't see any other candidate out there who you're going to be seeing this outcry for in any races yeah. soon
0: yeah so I went to wrap things up by talking about what happened nationally and I, I'm going to set this up by, by looking a little bit at the history of midterm elections and you know I, I you all during your live stream last night uh, had a great conversation with Congressman Joaquin Castro and he talked about the fact that a lot of a lot of uh, voting is really oppositional. People are, they're upset. I mean, I'm not saying that that there haven't been periods in time when the US voters as a as a as a group are have been content there there have been there's been some there's been there have been periods of contentment but I, I mean generally I think people for for different reasons at different times they're frustrated they're anxious and they tend to take it out on the the president's party during midterm elections that's just the history I, we could go back to reconstruction and it's amazing how how, how deep this phenomenon is but if you just look at the last eighty-five years, because post Franklin Roosevelt, nineteen thirty-four, when he was so popular, the New Deal was so it was so uh, went over so well with the public that he had a, a very good midterm. After that, there have been two midterm elections when the president's party has done well. You had uh, 1998 when Republicans overstepped on impeachment with Bill Clinton and Democrats won a few seats. 2002, Republicans, uh, uh, you had a Republican president, George W. Bush, the country rallied behind him after 9-11 and he had a good uh, midterm. Uh, There was a close one in 1962 coming off the Cuban Missile Crisis. Weeks later, uh, there was a midterm election and because of that uh, and the public support for John Kennedy, Democrats just lost, I think, four seats in the House. Almost every other one has just been a wipeout and i mean this was amazing i didn't know this till recently when i was looking at some of these dwight eisenhower who was i think pretty much a beloved figure during his presidency and then before in 1958 republicans lost 48 seats in the house 13 in the senate during the the dwight eisenhower's last midterm Uh, we know bill clinton during his first midterm the republicans i mean democrats lost i think was 54 seats um, and republicans took control of the, of the House for the first time in 40 years. Uh, Obama, we had the Tea Party election in 2010, the Democrats lost 63 seats. Um, this, this happens all the time. Trump uh, in 2018, Republicans lost 40 seats. It was the worst uh, midterm for them since Watergate. This is what happens all the time. And Joe Biden, you know, uh, there's a lot, I think that he's, I think history will probably be kinder to him than maybe the voters are now, as far as if you look at what's been achieved, uh, in, uh, if you look at legislation that's, that's passed, but he's not a popular president. Inflation is high. Uh, and this had all the makings of just a huge wave election. And right now, as we, as we're talking. It's still not clear if Republicans, who were close to having a majority as we came into the election, it's still not completely clear that they're gonna take the House. They, there's, it's likely they will, but it'll it'd be a, a very thin. Um, the Senate is still up for grabs. We, I think, the last I heard, there were uh, of the 32 uh, governor races uh, that we had on the ballot, um, 16 went to Republicans, 16 went to Democrats they're just amazing you uh, in in michigan you had hillary schulton win I mean, the first democrat to win in grand rapids in that congressional district in 1977. you had um uh john fetterman who was recovering from a stroke defeated the uh, donald trump hand candidate uh, dr oz uh in, in pennsylvania flipped that senate seat um what happened? Clearly, this was not what Republicans—they're—they're going to try to put the best face on it—but this is not what they had anticipated. I mean, what happened?
3: They, there was such a cockiness that they were—and it, it came so much that they were talking about winning, you know, the governorship in in, in New York. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that that Democrats did have a bad night where they had a bad night was in New York. Yeah, it, those in, congressional races. Sean Patrick Maloney, the chairman. That's of the right. League. Yeah, yeah, that was um, interesting. But yeah, you know, I. I I think what happened was that bo- it, voters were paying attention. They were paying attention to the insurrection, to the hearings. They were paying attention to the uh, to the election deniers, and they were paying attention. Maybe finally comprehending Trump, and I think people paused, took a breath, and said, "We don't want to. We don't want." I mean, I. All of us were talking about democracy being on the ballot, and so there's a reason why this morning, and not just among Democrats, but among many Republicans, never Trumpsters, and Independents, there's a a, a sigh of relief this morning at what at what could have been. And so the ironic thing about about Biden and his poll numbers is that the biggest winner last night was Joe Biden. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, I've I've felt for a while that Donald Trump, on the one hand, is an amazing political phenomenon. If you look at the idea of a reality, reality show host getting elected president and taking. Command of his party in a way that I've have never seen in my lifetime. So on that, that that sense, it's it's he's amazing. On the other hand, he's somewhat of a political failure. I mean, he ran for president his 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 greatest night uh, in 2016. He defeated the most unpopular Democratic nominee in the history of presidential polling and still lost the, po- the popular vote by three million. Mm-hmm. Though he 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 threaded the needle in the Electoral College. 2018 had a terrible midterm, tw- and he was clearly it was clearly a referendum on him. 2020, he loses the popular vote by 7 million, gets voted out of office. That doesn't happen often for incumbent presidents. And then the last night, you know, if the referendum had been on Joe Biden, it probably would have been a much better night for, for Republicans. But Trump, by his, uh, I, by recruiting and getting behind, you know, election deniers and some really just- He also lost the Senate for them in 2020. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. So, you know, I mean, all, some of these candidates, if you look at, I mean, election deniers, uh, I think it was—is it in in well the the, the con- uh, congressional race I mentioned? Uh, uh, Schulten, I mean, she beat John Gibbs, who was an election denier, and and uh, there were in in Michigan and Arizona, you had Secretary of State elections where you had election deniers uh, on the Republican side, and De- and Democrats won because voters had to look at that and thought this is I'm worried about the, the election process, right, right. Yeah. So I I think that the more I think Republicans are starting to 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 realize that the Every time that it's a referendum on Trump, that's why our, Trump That's our, why
3: Trump was the biggest loser last yeah. night. And 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 uh and, and that and DeSantis is the second biggest winner. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 I would say the biggest <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> among, yeah. Among yeah. Republicans. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean this was you know, this was you're right. Like it was it was somewhat of a referendum on Trump and uh DeSantis in Florida anyway. Killed it. So he's you know, he's he's got stature that he didn't have on Monday. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think he's well positioned uh, going into two thousand twenty four, assuming,
3: you know, he starts kinda of testing the presidential waters. Yeah. yeah, but this is what happens though. You know, Ron DeSantis, you're the biggest winner among Republicans in the twenty twenty two elections. What do you win? You're going to be incinerated by Trump right? because it's already it's already started yeah, it's yeah. going to be so uh-huh. dirty and nasty yeah, yeah.
0: And, and the thing that I that I think sometimes uh, those of us who you know in, in the media I think uh, maybe uh, just people who don't who in the general public maybe don't even uh, who are not involved in the Republican Party don't understand that there is some complexity of, of uh, opinion about Trump, I think, within the party. There are people who think, who maybe uh, thought his economic policies were good and the tax cut was good when he was president, liked certain things that he did. They, they liked his, uh, you know, his uh, nationalistic sort of trade approach. Um, but they're thinking like the, the, he's kind of an embarrassment now or I, the, he's gone too far with this election stuff or he's, you know, there there is – these things are not expressed publicly that much, I don't think, because people fear him in the party. But I think there is some uh, – <laughs> uh, you know, I, there's there's complexity there. I think that that was reflected somewhat in, in what we saw.
1: I think so, too. I think um, – I mean, we can't have Trump again. <laughs> we can't have a Trump presidency and just the thought of it. Um, I think makes people anxious, right? And, and I see, um, you know, people are, are disappointed. Um, and I feel like it should fuel, it should hopefully fuel that. I don't know. DeSantis will be much better though. I mean, I don't know. I heard on a, a talk show uh, this morning something about maybe DeSantis will be vice president, run for vice president uh, under Trump. I'm I like,
2: that same thing. Oh, I just, like, like, just the thought of it made me yeah, stress yeah. out. But yeah. The, the only good thing about that is it, it, it would never happen. It wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. No. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. Trump could not, could not have somebody seen as competent and able to step into his role uh, easily. So, yeah. Yeah. My, <laughs> never, well, my, never, my never. thought has been
0: that, that Carrie Lake, if she got elected governor of Arizona, would be the ideal. She, uh, mm. Trump running mate. She's extremely loyal to him. She's she's very comfortable on TV. Uh, as we're doing this, and uh, we still don't know if she's gonna if she's gonna pull out that Arizona governance race. It's very close, and that's another one that even if she wins, um, it's it should not have been that close. I mean, Katie Hobbs is does not have the the uh, TV skills, the political skills of Carrie Lake. She didn't. She refused to debate her. And still is hanging in there uh, with a chance to win. So that says a lot about the night that Republicans had. Um, We're going to have a lot of political stuff to cover in the next few weeks. And uh, we appreciate you listening and hope you all are doing well. Take care.